You're listening to the Matthew Sermon Series at Sojourn Carlisle. In this series, we are following Jesus and learning what it means to take on his yoke. We are pressing into his promise of true life. Uh, Father God, we do praise you and thank you. You are a good God, and we do rejoice in your goodness today. We thank you, God, that you have um, not just given us your word, but the word has become flesh and dwelt among us. We thank you, God, for even the stirring of children as we celebrate Family Sunday today. Thank you for the unique gift of family. Um, the unique gift of having a husband and wife and having children or adopted children, a part of the union that you've created. God, for this, we do say thank you. Lord, bless the, bless the preaching and the acting of your word today. I pray that your name will receive all glory, honor, and praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The word allegiance is a unique word. Uh, the Webster Dictionary defines allegiance this way, loyalty or commitment of a subordinate to a, superior, to, to a superior or an individual to a group or to a cause. It's loyalty or commitment of a subordinate to a superior or of an individual to a group or a cause. Our, 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 um, our allegiance runs deep, amen? Um, we see this throughout culture. We see this throughout time. We have now college football season right now, and I'm sure those who are uh, uh, aligned or have an allegiance to a certain team, you are, you are um, bought in, you are focused in, and you are probably even using financially bought in um, to the success of your team during this college football season. Um, allegiance, allegiances run deep. We even see it in, in the school systems that we pledge allegiance to the flag. We pledge our allegiance to various things throughout our lifetime and culture. But one thing we want to see today as we read our text is this, as that in light, in light of Jesus' absolute authority in the world, because Jesus is the most authoritative being that God has provided, he is the son of God, he is our Messiah, so in light of Jesus' absolute authority in the world, he warrants absolute allegiance from the world. He warrants absolute allegiance from the world. I know that you may think, ah, well, allegiance, it probably doesn't depend upon me. But, but check out this slide here. I, I was trying to look at uh, this just recently, even the next couple of months, we see this in our mainstream, right? This is got from Twitter, uh, the, from tw- I said Twitter, twi- Twitter uh, talking about bringing out the big guns, right? Who do you, who has the big chicken, who has the best chicken sandwich, Chick-fil-A or Popeye's? I'm going to hold my answer because I don't want to have any enemies in here. But this is, we see this runs deep. Look at the next slide. The next slide is even, even better. I see y'all going to Popeye's, right? Jesus saying, <laughs> Jesus, Jesus can't have y'all going to Popeye's, only Chick-fil-A. The most funniest one I saw was a person, from, uh, a person that put something out saying um, on Popeye's, that, uh, FYI, people need to eat on Sundays to Chick-fil-A. That was pretty funny. I thought that was funny. Anyway. Um, today, as we, as we embark, what we want to do is not just proclaim the world, uh, word on our family Sunday. We want to enact the word. We're going to have, um, we want to enact the kind of the story that we just saw. So we have various people that are going to come and do that for us today. We're excited about that, and we're excited for you to be able to, um, to be a part of this with us. Um, during the acting, I'm going to give some commentary, talk about why certain things are happening uh, but I, we, we need you to be involved in this as we go forward. Christina is going to be our narrator for today. So what's going to happen is we're going to look at 
verses 18 through 19, Christina's going to read it, and then we're going to see and enact it, and then I'm going to make commentary on it, and then we're going to continue to go through. So let's turn our attention to Christina. She's going to read it, and then we're going to see this kind of unfold before our very eyes. All right. So notice what was happening here. This man, his name is Jairus. We know that from, from Mark, uh, the Gospel of Mark and also the Gospel of Luke. He is the leader of the, syn- the local synagogue. He, that's why he has a crown on his head. He was responsible for administrative tasks such as looking after the building, su- supervising worship, running uh, s- the school on the weekdays, and finding rabbis to teach on Sunday. Seemed like he had a lot of jobs to do, a lot of opportunity to work on Sundays. But notice what he says. His 12-year-old daughter had died. This is very important because this, this number 12 is going to come back up to us. We're going to talk about it later at that time. He was without hope and he was desperate to seek out Jesus for help, even though he was a leader in the synagogue. And notice what he's doing. He's bowing before Jesus in a way of not just honor, but even as an aspect of worship. Um, he is not just looking to Jesus for help, but he's looking for him as his only way and escape for help in this, this type of situation. I don't know about you, but there are desperate times when things have gone wrong and things just don't happen the way you want them to happen. This is the posture. This is the way in which we should come before Jesus, understanding that he deserves our allegiance as our God and as our king. Notice Jesus here didn't rebuke Jairus for bowing down before him. He actually receives worship from him. He doesn't tell him, get up and don't, don't, don't bow down. This is a good reminder that while we stand before dignitaries in our modern day culture, we are called to bow to the king of kings and to the Lord of lords. So did you guys hear that number there? Twelve, right? Twelve years, 12-year-old daughter, 12 years of infirmity. Um, this woman has spent all her money trying to get well before before to get herself well. She has suffered greatly under the care of many physicians, and she has spent all that she had to no avail. And instead, her condition had only grown worse. She experienced physical discomfort and social isolation. She was literally an outcast of society. She could not be seen or be around um, ceremony observances. She could not worship with people in the temple of God. And she couldn't, she couldn't even have prolonged contact with people because of, because of this. But like Jairus, her desperation brought her to Jesus. And she said, if only if I could touch his robe, I'll be made well. There's a hint of superstition here, right? There's a hint of superstition that she has. She says, listen, if if only if I could touch him, then I will be made well. Then I will be made whole. Yet Jesus still meets her despite her loose theology. This is a good reminder for us that in times of desperation, We don't have to worry about the correct way to reach out to God. Like this woman, we can simply reach out in faith and he will respond. Notice what Jesus does here. He allows himself to be touched by a woman who's unclean. And in Jesus' day, if you touch something that was unclean, what would happen to you? What do you become? Unclean. Unclean. Jesus takes on this one. He doesn't just just heal this woman of her infirmity, but he actually takes her infirmity upon him himself. First John 3, 9 says it this way. It says, you know that he was revealed so that he might take away sins. It's a good reminder for us that God changed a situation that had been a problem for 12 years. For 12 years, she had been one of the untouchables. 
She had, been, she, she had not been able to lead, lead a normal life, but Jesus changed her narrative and gave her a new story and a perspective. He restored her identity individually and collectively. Sometimes in our lives, we can be tempted to give up on dead situations. We can, give, we can be tempted to give up on people or situations that have not changed in many years. But God can change what seems unchangeable, amen? He can give us new purpose and he can give us new hope. And this is what he's done with this woman. Notice four things before we transition to the next part of the story. Jesus not only heals the woman, but he heals her publicly. He refuses to allow her to be, remain in the hiddenness of society. He looks at her and he gives her his full attention. These are, this is his words that he says to her. He says, um, daughter, he says, um, have courage, daughter, your faith has saved you. So notice, you remember Jesus looking at her? He gives her his full attention. He acknowledges her private faith publicly. Secondly, notice what he says to her. He gives her, he gives her encouragement. He tells her, take heart or take courage. That should sound familiar because remember last week when Jesus healed the par paralytic, remember what he said to him? Have courage, son. Your, your sins are forgiven. And this week he looks at this woman and says the same thing. Have courage, daughter, your faith has saved you. Not only did, he, did Jesus give her, her his full attention and also his full, uh, full encouragement, gave her encouragement, he also gave her an identity. Notice what he called her. Have courage, daughter. Have courage, daughter. Not have courage, outcast. Not have courage, forgotten one. Not have courage, forbidden one. But Jesus looks at one of the most deplorable situations that that society had to offer, and he says, have courage, daughter. What hope must arose in her spirit to hear those words from Jesus, that she was called a daughter, all, even though she wasn't being treated by her, by, as a daughter, even by her own family or those who were closest to her um, and who loved her. Not only did Jesus give her full attention, not only did he give her encouragement, not only did he give her an identity, he also gave her affirmation. Listen to what Jesus says to her. Your faith activated your healing in Jesus. Being healed, and we notice this in the very last, uh, last instance of this verse. He says, and the woman was made well from that very moment. From that very hour signifies that Jesus saved her, not just in a spontaneous way, but Jesus responded to her very faith that very hour. Her faith activated her healing in Jesus. Listen to what he says. Your faith has saved you. This word saved in the Greek is the same word that was used of Jesus in Matthew chapter 1, where it said when Mary was told that she will give birth to a son, and you're to name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And notice how this woman, lastly, notice how this woman is healed. She's healed by her faith. Not from some superstition, right? Not from superstition, not from some folklore of just touching Jesus. She, she wasn't healed because of um, any medical procedure or any medical providers who provided excellent care for her. She wasn't healed because she spent all her money for her healing. She was healed because of her faith in the only one who could heal her. Amen? It is by her faith that she is healed. I love 
this, this, uh, this emphasis of Jesus looking at her. Um, and there's a quote from uh, My Utmost for His Highest, uh, the daily devotional that I'm going through that I want to share with you from this week, September 28th. It reads as follows. It talks about what it means when Jesus looks at us. It says, the look of Jesus will mean a broken heart forever from allegiance to any other person or thing. Has Jesus ever looked at you? The look of Jesus transforms, transforms and it trans- transfixes. Where you are soft with God is where the Lord has looked at you. If you are hard and vindictive, insistent on your own way, certain that the other person is more likely to be in the wrong than you are, it is an indication that there are, there are whole tracks of your nature that have been transformed by his, that have not been transformed by his gaze. It's a good reminder. I love the question that they ask us. Has Jesus ever looked at you? Jesus was not just healed by this woman, but Jesus was seen by this woman. Let's continue in our story. So here I need your guys' help because we don't have crowds, so you guys are going to have to be the crowd for us. So the crowd was lamenting. Let me see your best lamenting. Crying, wailing, yes, that's that's okay. Y'all can do a little. Come on, let me, let me see your best wailing. Oh, there you go. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Now let me see your best laughter. <laughs> Thank you. That is very funny, Terrell. In, in, this, in this day and time, it was, it was uh, notice what the scripture says about the, the, the people that are there. It says that it was a loud, loud um, noise that was coming from um, J- Jairus' house. This lets us know that he was a wealthy man. In this day and time, you would hire professional people, especially women, to come and to mourn for you. Um, it was told in that day um, that the, the poor, even the poor, had to have at least two flutes and one wailing woman at the funeral. Um, they didn't, and guess what? They didn't wait until Jairus arrived home for them to stop mourning. They was mourning already. The mourning had already started because this woman, this young girl had already been dead. But notice what Jesus says to her. She says, she's not dead, but asleep. You see, Jesus sees death differently than we do. We see it, he sees it as temporary, and while we see it as eternal. And the reason why he sees it as temporary is because Jesus' death was not eternal, but only temporary. And upon, upon his return, the Bible says that the dead in Christ shall rise. First Thessalonians 4, 16. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the archangel's voice, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Notice what Jesus does. It's totally different than what he did with the woman um, who's suffering. With the woman who's suffering, who was suffering, he did a public healing, he did a public healing of this woman where it was in front of everyone to let everyone know that this woman who was once ostracized, this woman who was once pushed away, now she needs to be accepted. Now she needs to be brought in because I have made her well because of her faith she has in me. But notice with this, with this instance, there's a large crowd, there's a lot of people, but what does Jesus, Jesus say to the people? Leave, get away. This is not for you. He tells all the people to leave and to go away, and he goes in, and he takes the young girl by the hand, and he lifts her up with all power and authority that he has. This is very important because remember what we said about the woman. When the woman touched Jesus with the the hem of his garment, 
Jesus allowed her to be, him to be touched even though he himself would be perceived to be unclean because she was unclean. But the same situation is here. Jesus doesn't just look to the woman and says, get up. He takes her by the hand and he rises her up from the dead. Why? Because Jesus is not, is not afraid to be associated with dead things. Because he is a resurrector of dead things and dead circumstances and dead hopes. Jesus is the way in which dead things come alive. And we see that even in this, in this situation where Jesus taking this dead girl's hand and rising her up to the new life. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful that God didn't leave me where he found me. I, I was dead in my transgressions and sins, not looking for God, without hope and without God in this world. But God in his grace has raised me and raised you anew by the power of his authority. And because of Jesus power in this world. Because of Jesus' power and authority in this world, he demands allegiance from the world. And we see this time and time again. We see it from a, a, a ruler of a synagogue. We see it from an outcast of the society. And now we're going to see it from two other people as we continue in our story. Notice these two blind men. They follow they followed because they wanted Jesus to give them sight. They, they wanted Jesus in particular to give them sight. They cried out. They were desperate to be heard. Notice what they said here. They said, have mercy. Remember what we said last week, that mercy attracts the presence of God. Psalms 51, 17 says, a broken and contrite heart, God will never turn away. Do you want the presence of God to come near you? Do you want God's presence to be, to be constantly around you? Seek God, be broken and be contrite. Seek God for his mercy and he will come to you. He says, have mercy on me. And notice what he say, son of David. This is the first time this is mentioned in the gospel of Matthew, this word son of David. Son of David was a popular way of addressing Jesus as the Messiah because it was known that the Messiah will be a descendant of King David. So they, they're, they're, they're crying out. They're saying all the right things. They're saying, have mercy. Have mercy on me, not just anyone, but have mercy on me, son of David. They're saying all the right things but they're not getting the results they wanted. Have you ever been in that situation before? You're saying everything right. You feel like you're praying hard. You're seeking God for answers, and it just doesn't seem like he responds. And actually what Jesus does is he doesn't respond. He keeps on walking away. The Bible actually says that he continues to go um, into the house. Now, notice the house. Remember, anybody from last week, this is for the adults, not for the kids. Where was Jesus' headquarters? Do you remember? It was in the city of Capernaum, but at whose house? Do you remember whose house? Somebody said it. Peter. Yes, Peter's house. So in the Greek, it says he entered into the house. It's not just any house. It's the house. It's Peter's house. And Jesus is saying, listen, he, he, he is not responding to their pleas. He's continuing to walk, walk in verse 28. And when he went into the house, the blind men approached him and said, do, and Jesus said to them, do you believe that I can do this? Notice that Jesus didn't respond immediately to the blind men's plea. He waited to see if they have faith. And then he asked them if they have faith. This is a good reminder and a good call that we are always called to seek God's face and not just his hands. We're not just to seek God for the blessings he can give us. You see, if they were just looking for a blessing from Jesus, they would not have entered the house. They would have just said, Jesus, you're not going to heal us. We have to go look elsewhere. But these men were persistent. And they were going after Jesus because they wanted Jesus to be the one to heal him. I don't know about you, but there's something about wanting to have someone in particular to heal you. 
Not, not just anybody, not just any doctor, not just any physician, not just any dentist will do. You want a particular person for a particular situation. And in this situation, these blind men wanted Jesus to heal them. And they persisted and they continued to follow him all the way into the very house that he was staying in. And Jesus, again, Jesus responded in compassion. Jesus responded in mercy and simply said, do you believe I can do this? And they said, yes, Lord. So he touched their eyes saying, let it be done for you according to your faith. And their eyes were open. And Jesus does something very interesting. He says, don't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody because I don't want this to be about me. I don't want it to be about people looking for blessings from me. I want people to seek me, my face and not just my hands. Not just what I can do, I, they can get from me. I want them to seek me because they love me and because they know me and because they know that I'm a good, faithful God and king. If you're going through a hard situation right now, if you're going through a situation where it seems like Jesus is just not responding to you, I encourage you to do this one thing. Seek Jesus' face and not just his hands. Don't just seek him for the things that you want from him. Seek him because he's good and because he's kind and because he is worthy of your allegiance. Because he is Lord and because he is Savior. Because he is God and because he is King. Because he's Alpha and because he's Omega. Not just to get what you want. These blind men are just a good example, just like the persistent widow in Luke 18, of what persistence really looks like. Persistence is continually going to the same source with the same expectation and hope wanting to be found uh, satisfied in Jesus and no one else. Will you pray with me? Father, we do praise you and thank you that you've given us this day and this opportunity to know and to love you. Father, we thank you, God, that your authority in the world warrants our, the, your allegiance from the world. And we thank you that we've seen that in three particular ways, Lord. First from King, the ruler of the synagogue, Jairus, God. Thank you, God, that we see from him that we can have hope um, even, even, even in the midst of our discouragement, God. Even when all is lost and we lose things that we love, we can still find hope in you. Thank you, God, from the woman who was suffering with um, her illness, God, and um, her predicament, God, that, that, that we, can, we can find hope even when it's delayed, even when um, it, it, it is not coming when we want it to come, when we tried so many different options, we, we've tried to seek medical advice, we've used all of our money, we've done all that we know we, we can do to find a solution, but yet, God, you are the solution, and we look to you in hope. And finally, God, we look for hope deferred when, when, when it just seems like um, time after time no one is able to help us, God, we thank you that you will help us and you do help us. Father, have grace and have mercy upon us now as your people. We look to you and we, um, we align ourselves in allegiance to you because you are worthy of our allegiance. You are worthy of the sacrifice and you are worthy of every cause that you call us to as you empower us by your spirit to that end. Father, be with us now, even as we come to this communion table. Let this be a sign of our allegiance to you as God and King. May you increase and may we de decrease even right now. In Jesus' name, amen. At this time here at Sojourn, we um, celebrate communion um, each and every week. We're reminded of G Jesus' life, death, and burial, and resurrection. And here what we do is uh, we take our piece of the bread and we dip it into the juice. And then we partake of this meal. There will be stations here in front. And you're more than welcome to, to take it, um, to, to follow the instructions right here behind me as you need to. 
On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread, he gave thanks, and he broke it. And he said, this is my body for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup and said, this is the cup of the new covenant. That's sealed by the shedding of my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat of this bread and drink of this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he returns. When you are able, you're more than welcome to come forward and to take part of this meal. If you're not a Christian or if you're um, unsure about your relationship with the Lord, we ask that today will be the day of salvation. That you would turn it to faith and trust in Jesus. That you would turn from your sins and you would look to him anew as, as, um, as God and as Savior. And as the one who is worthy of your allegiance from this day forward. Feel free to remain seated and to think about the things we've said. But if you're not a Christian, we ask that you abstain from this meal. From those who are ready to come, um, members of this church or have been a part of a Christian family or baptized into a Christian family, um, you are more than welcome as we come. And the worship team will lead us um, as you come. Come when you're ready. I'm James A.P. Fields, Jr., lead pastor at Sojourn Church Carlisle. Thanks for listening. We're a church that is rooted in the community of South Louisville, and we are seeking to advance the gospel of Christ in South Louisville and beyond. For more sermons, info about our church, and ways you can support our ministry, visit SojournChurch.com backslash Carlisle, C-A-R-L-I-S-L-E. God bless.